Right, so that was a story of, of Heidi, and Heidi tells a story that probably every one of y'all have in your, in your family somewhere, of uh, somebody that's diagnosed with a pretty serious illness. And um, it's, uh, we're going to be talking about a couple of things today in the story in Mark chapter 5 uh, today. Uh, we're going to be talking about women and girls, and we're going to be talking about death and, uh, and healing and sickness. And um, I've, I've, in, I've entitled this, this message that God loves women or Jesus loves women. And um, this is an absolute truth. Um, God absolutely loves girls and he loves women. And all you guys that are in here, I want you all to know something. Um, I'm going to attempt through this sermon to speak most of the time in, in, uh, along the lines of speaking to the ladies. Almost everything that I say is going to apply to you as well, okay? But we're just going to be lifting ladies up specifically today because I want to speak to you. I want to speak to your heart. So, guys, don't check out. Uh, don't, don't go and, and uh, start Googling uh, stuff or, or uh, watching something on Netflix. Uh, stay with us um, because this is incredibly applicable uh, to, to you guys as well. But God loves ladies. He loves girls. Uh, God gives life to those who are dead. And he's one who heals. Um, I want to want to pray, and um, then we're going to jump into things. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I declare again, I, I I can't move anybody any closer to you. But what I can do is I can proclaim you loudly with passion. And so that's what we want to do. That's why we've gathered here today. Is we want to proclaim Jesus loudly, proudly. Uh, we say, God, we're not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation, Father. And uh, it's not just something that gets us into the door of acceptance to you or makes us a Christian, but it's the gospel that provides the continual salvation, not that we get lost again, but the growth that's needed, the transformation that's needed, it all goes back to the gospel. It all goes back to you, Jesus. You're the center of all of history. You're the center of the universe. Everything we see is here because you spoke it into existence. Even us. You formed us in our mother's wombs. You made some of us boys and men. made some of us girls and ladies. And uh, God, uh, this story here showed that in a, uh, in, a, in a patriarchal culture that respected the men so much and suppress the women at times. God, that you were one that you loved girls. You loved women. And you still do. Jesus, all the ladies that are here, all the girls that are here, even the ones that are upstairs, or those that may listen to this sometime in the future, may they know, may they know that you have a passion for them. That you're a rescuer of girls and of women. And God, you, you called us to be a part of that as well in a very spiritual sense, but also in a very physical sense, Father, to look at those that are in different kinds of bondage, those that are trapped, those that are marginalized, victimized, God, for us to have the same type of compassion to see around us and to put out the hand of Christ uh, toward them, Lord. Um, help us to be, help us to proclaim the great news of Jesus, but help us to be that good news of Jesus too. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Guys, we're in Mark chapter 5, 21 to 43. If you don't have a Bible, there's some on this table over here and there's some behind this uh, uh, column over here. Feel free to jump up 
and uh, grab one. If you don't have one at home, just take it home and, and keep it if you'll, if you'll read it. There's a lot of stuff in these two stories. Let's jump right in. Uh, Mark chapter 5, starting verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd appeared about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. Right? So just before this, and what we covered the last time, is was Jesus with this demoniac, this guy uh, who was possessed with a bunch of demons, very real demons who they proclaimed their name the name was legion because as there was there was many of them that means that there might have been upwards of 6000 demons since legion meant about 6000 in roman in roman army uh, we don't know exactly but there was a bunch of demons they'd been uh, cast out he he freed the man he freed him uh, cast all these demons into the pigs and then they immediately went off a cliff into the water and were destroyed um, and um because of that, the people that are there, this is a Gentile area that he was in, a non-Jewish area, and they all kind of came up and said, you know what, we think you need to leave, all right? We like the dude and all, glad he's freed, but you're causing serious problems to our economy around here. We'd like for you to leave. They get in the boat, they go back to the Jewish territory, and that's where they are. They're in this the Sea of Galilee, and if you don't know, that's just a lake, but a big, big lake. So they went back to the other side. Great crowd is around him. And uh, this, this uh, getting back to these Jewish communities, this can have some relevance in verse 43 at the end of this. If you want to look ahead and take a look at it, you'll see a little bit of that rele- relevance. Um, went to the synagogue. Um, the, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of, of if you go to Bible.org, um, there's a New English translation that's there that's very close to the NIV. But the greatest thing about that is all these notes. If you if you like original language, original language notes, study notes, there's tons and tons of them there that you can find them. One of the things that they mentioned on here is, um, is pretty pretty straightforward. But the synagogue is a place for, for Jewish prayer and worship. That's what they came. The Jews would pray there. They would worship Jehovah there. And it was a place the synagogues had recognized leadership. They'd have at least one. It wasn't a priest. But it was a guy who, he was the leader that was there. And uh, um, uh, there was more than one of these officers, according to the size. They had the general management of it. Um, but the priests were in the temple only. These guys were over this, right? Verse 23. And they implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter's at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so she may be made well and alive. All right? So this is, this is uh, Jairus. Who's come? He's talking talking to Jesus about his daughter, uh, who's very very sick, um, and uh, she is at the point of death, um, and that means at the point of death. This doesn't mean that she just has a cold or the flu, but she's been suffering with something to where she is close to death, very close, as we're going to see in just just a few minutes. Um, now think about this, though, you guys. Jairus is the ruler of the synagogue. Um, he's a, a ruler of the Jews, um, and an influencer in this area. And these guys were highly offended by Jesus because um, though he was very compassionate uh, with the weak and the wounded and um, the helpless, those that were marginalized, the people who said that they were religious and they knew God, but he knew better, and he took them to task. And um, so 
these things, they were just, it was just kind of stirring because it's still early in his ministry days. Um, but you have this guy and, and other folks, they've heard about him, but he takes the Jewish leaders to task. And so we don't know everything in the backstory there, but we know, but you would know that it would, there's a courage that would have to be there for him to go to him. I mean, this is, this is some um, just natural parenting here. That when your child is hurt, I mean, you, you do whatever it takes. And, and though it doesn't say that he saw Jesus as an enemy, um, one thing that as a parent that you do, and if those of you who aren't parents yet, dig your well for your thirsty. Plant this deep within your heart that you just know when the time comes, I'll do whatever it takes, whatever, whenever, however, for the true health of my kids. And if it takes humbling or humiliating yourself and going to somebody where you might even, you, you can't even save face when you go before them because of something you've done in the past, or something they've done to you, and you know that you'll, you'll be kind of putting yourself under, under, their, under their will, whatever it is that they, they may want to do, you just do it. You do whatever it takes. So that's what he's come. He's come, he's come to Jesus, and it turns out it's the best place that he can, he can go. Now, um, Jairus' name, it's a Hebrew name. It actually means Jehovah enlightens. Jehovah enlightens. And I mean, I, I love that. I don't think there's any accident that God, that God worked this story for this man to come uh, to come to him. And there is a huge enlightenment. There's a huge eye-opening that's going to take place, not only in his life, but in that community, and especially in the life of his daughter. He is about to open some eyes in some big ways. Um, 24 says this, And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who'd suffered much under physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. Guys, this is, this is a lady. This is a lady who she has had a physical issue for 12 years. And it's been a lot of pain that's come, come from. Let me, let me just pull back for a second. There's, this describes some of you, some of you ladies, some, some of you men maybe, that you've had months or years of, of, of suffering, physical suffering, uh, of pain. Um, I know, I, I think about this, and, and I believe, as I've thought about it, I, I think that there's some diseases out there that are kind of like, the modern day version of this this lady and what she suffered through. I mean, I hear about so many friends that suffer from fibromyalgia um, or other kind of mystery pain that they just don't know what in the world it is. And it's got all the physicians and all the specialists just scratching their heads. And they're trying everything they can. They go to pain clinics and they have pain management. Or sometimes they just they just gut it out and they just walk through walk through the pain or migraines uh, that that many of you have had and the doctors they didn't know what to do with her and they she suffered underneath their their care as well and it says that that she spent all that she had that all the kind of wealth all the all the extra income she had and and maybe she'd gotten to a place where she didn't even own anything else we don't know but she for 12 years had spent what she had to try to be better now this this is the way some of y'all have been, or, or maybe your mom or dad or uncle, aunt, maybe a sibling, and it's just on and on. Um, could be cancer that that you got to tackle it, and 
and uh, goes into remission, and then maybe it comes back, and then you have to tackle it again, and it's months stretch out into years, and it's just it's painful, and it costs lots of money, and and then and then sometimes it turns out all that you do, not only are you not better, you're worse, and your heart just gets dashed, you know, you just lose your, lose your hope. It's like, man, God, what what is it? What are you what are you doing? What what's the problem? Now I want to stop you for a second, and I want to address a worldview. And your, your problem is that when suffering takes place in your life and the way that you judge who you are, not necessarily what you do, but who you are, your identity gets affected by your suffering that you're walking through. Okay? That's a worldview problem. That's a gospel issue. You, you and I, it shows that when we don't fully understand who Jesus is, what Jesus did on the cross, and what he's brought to us, us, I'm saying for those of us who are, have surrendered to Christ. If you're one of our friends in here that you've never surrendered to Christ, man, um, we love you and we commend Christ to you. And our hope is even today, even in the next minute, that there'd be the aha moment. And just like Jesus raises this girl from the dead, that Jesus would raise you from the dead and that you would turn turn to him in faith. And that's that's where our hope is. But for those of us who are Christians, we we just get crushed. We get crushed and our identity gets crushed or or our thought of God's identity gets crushed. when We don't fully understand who God really is and what he's done and how that how that affects us. We must know we must have a proper worldview of the human condition that the world is broken. And you were born broken and brokenness will affect you all of your life, say all of your life. All of your life, it's going to it's going to affect you. Even even you as a Christian, I mean, we. We just had this tendency and this thought that, man, if, I, if I'm just good enough, if I'm a good enough Christian, then maybe most, if not all, of that suffering will go away. And guys, that's just unbiblical. In fact, it's anti-biblical. God promises that we're going to go through all kinds of suffering because this world is broken. But what we must know, we must know that, that God is not unloving because you have the suffering. And we would think he was unloving if, if he didn't come and get close to us. But he did. He did. And don't think that you're a failure just because of suffering. Sometimes it is because of our sin. Sometimes it is. Sometimes years later, the wild oats we sowed early, they catch up, they catch up with us. It's just a part of the brokenness. And it's not heaven yet, right? And it does come up. Sometimes it's because of stuff we did last week uh, that there's consequences now. But that's not always the case. When it is the case, don't be flippant about it. You need to confess your sin. You need to repent of your sin. Seek forgiveness to those that you've offended, those that you sinned against, that you've wronged. But you need to stand, if you're a Christian, stand on the fact that your sins have already been forgiven. Already. You don't have to go to Him and say, God, would you please, would you please take care of that sin again? He's like, Dave... <laughs> Hey, uh, cross, bud, once, once and for all, once and for all, when it was applied to you, completely applied, not partially applied, completely applied to you. And so, yeah, confess, repent, seek forgiveness from others, but proclaim the forgiveness you stand in. But don't constantly see yourself as unusable because you have persecution, because you got pain, because bad things are happening around you. Jesus said, John 16, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. 
in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Now back to our lady in the story. So after years, 12 years, spending all that she had, she's not better. In fact, she's worse. She's worse. Now, here's what happens, you guys. Um, um, Jesus was, he was on his way to the girl. I don't, did you, did you, did you pass over that part? First part, Jairus, got him. So my, my daughter's, my daughter's ill and he's headed, she's almost, she's about to die. And he's headed, he's headed there. And then all of a sudden you have, you have this lady that comes into his life. And, um, Wesley and I were talking about this just a little while ago in, in prayer and preparation for, for, uh, for the service and, and, um, um, what was uh, what was your word for it? it was, uh, what kind of distraction did you say? Yeah, it was an interruption. It was like an ordained interruption that took place um, in Jesus's life. And and don't miss this because there's um, there's a lot of times. I mean, every day, every day. I mean, I know you guys. Y'all are y'all are driven people. You know, whether you're a student, whether whether you're in the marketplace, whether you're a sing, single mom, whether you're a married mom, whatever it is, I mean, there's just so much to do every day. You're driven, got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go. Guys, just know this. There's a lot of times within, within your month, within your week, that God's going to give you an ordained interruption. That on your way, there's still something else. I mean, where it is, the things that, that God had you headed toward, you know, he's he probably is going to take you there. Sometimes he makes a, a, a detour completely on this. But he gives you an opportunity to minister. And you just look at the story about the Good Samaritan and you see what my life is naturally, and maybe yours too, to where, man, we're so driven and on the task and even doing good things or God things that we can completely miss the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So he, he wants us to know that even in life and death situations, it seems like there's opportunities that he gives us. So just be listening to him. It doesn't mean every interruption is from God. Don't take that either. Don't feel bound by everybody's call or everybody's emergency. Be bound, actually be freed to follow what God gives you, though. All right. So he's making his way to the girls, a gridlock of people. It takes place, um, verse 27. She'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. All right? Now, what's interesting is the, uh, in, this, in the original language here, um, it's, it really is saying that she, she heard reports not only just about Jesus, it's, it's, uh, the name, there was a definite article before before Jesus. So basically it says she heard about the Jesus. You know, the one, the, the Jesus that people have been stirring about and talking about. Um, she heard about the Jesus. Guys, I want you all to know there are people that God's placed around you. You guys who are Christians. There's people that God has in your sphere of influence, in your neighborhood, uh, in the school, in the classrooms that you're in, uh, in, the, in the places that, 
that you go around, that you go to. God has people around you. They've heard about the Jesus. They haven't bought into his deity. They're not real sure about church or Christians, maybe. But they've heard about the Jesus. Just, just know that. that God, God is going to give you some opportunities to, to bridge that gap. To talk about the Jesus. And, and that's, that's uh, what, one of the things that's going to happen here. She, she reaches out. She touches, she touches the hymn. Um, this uh, more likely it was this blue edge that was the hem of his of his garment um, the fringes uh, scripture matthew twenty three five actually jesus uh, was he was thrown down on the Pharisees as well talk, talking about how they do all their deeds to be seen by others for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long and so that 's the same hymn the, the the fringes at the bottom he 's like you know those guys make it extra long so that people see them and think how holy that they are. He, he condemned them from, for uh, being showy. Um, I could just imagine what might have been going on in this lady's, in lady's heart and mind. I mean, hesitation, um, fear. But something in her, she just says, you know, if I just get close to the Jesus. You, you with me? If I can just get close to the Jesus. There's a lot of spiritual people out there like that. They may not think he's the only way. They respect him. The Jesus. Guys, y'all can be the ones that are a part of walking with your friends who respect the Jesus, and you can help them to know that it's, it really is the exclusive Jesus. He's the only, he's the only way. But he said, if I can just get close, I'll be made whole. And I mean, after 12 years, just think of she's tried everything. She's thinking, man, if, if anyone helped me, maybe the Jesus can. I touch, I can, I can be made whole. And it says, uh, in, in, again, in the original language, the way that it's put here is that she kept saying this to herself over and over. And uh, almost like a mantra. Maybe she was kind of working up, working up the courage. Uh, it was like kind of a self-talk that's happening. Um, do you know that every one of us have a self-talk? And for many of us, it's a very destructive self-talk. That goes on. Maybe it's because you're repeating just what your parents might have said, or, or your brother, or, or, or somebody who is a, an influencer in your life. And I mean, I'm horrible. I'm stupid. Nobody likes me. God can never love me. These things that maybe you never say them, but it's just going on in your mind and your heart, just over and over. This damaging, destructive self-talk. But what she was saying, she she didn't realize it. This is incredibly biblical. If I just get close to the Jesus, I can be made whole. And she was right. And that needs to be the kind of self-talk that we have as well. Um, I'm not talking about crazy, jacked-up PMA stuff. I'm talking about Jesus. That's the kind of self-talk we need. So, I mean, if I can just get close to Jesus, He'll make me whole. He will. Verse 29. Immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Now, guys, um, this is something that you and I are never, never gonna gonna understand. But I've talked. I mean, I've talked with, I've talked with ladies uh, that they'll talk about during during their menstrual cycle or right, coming up on their menstrual cycle that many times they can feel when the flow starts inside inside their body. All right. Um, and and most likely that's what we're talking about. We're talking about something that was that was tied 
tied to her menstrual cycle, but, but it's just gone bizarre, you know. And, and, uh, and so she, for 12 years, now you ladies, I mean, y'all can, y'all can talk later on about this kind of stuff, but can you imagine 12 years of that? 12 years. And it all of a sudden stops because of the Jesus. The Jesus shows up. And He heals her. He, he touches her. Now guys, you need to know this. Leviticus 15, I'm not going to read this to you, but 19, 19 through 17 talks about, talks about ladies when they, were, when they were in the middle of their, their period, their menstrual cycle. They became ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. That doesn't mean morally unclean or spiritually unclean, but ceremonial alone ceremonially unclean and they had to isolate themselves for a while okay that means this lady to some degree maybe she wasn't isolated all the time but to a degree because others would have known she had a problem with with blood that she would have had to be isolated for 12 years 12 years now i know there's there's some ladies in here that you're a little more introverted and all, but honestly, girls like to talk, right? Okay? Girls like to hang out. They like to get together. You like being around other ladies. You like to talk. You like to listen, and you like to then respond. It's just the way the Lord made you. It's okay. It's a great thing. Guys aren't that much, as much as you, and so that, that causes tension at times. But can you imagine that? Can you imagine the isolation this lady must have felt, the lack of community, the lack of love? In her life, because she was consistently unclean, consistently sick, and she isolated herself for 12 years. And she goes to Jesus. And you know what? I love this that even when you ostracize yourself and isolate yourself, or even when you're ostracized by others, people isolate you, they marginalize you. Did you know when you go to Jesus, first of all, He reveals His love and acceptance for you, and then He creates community around you? He healed her in a way that she was able to engage community and have family again. That's what, that's what God does. Uh, you know, we got some, some months ahead of us to still try to... We're trying to figure out some things about human trafficking and some of the horrible things, especially that happen to, to ladies internationally, nationally, and even locally. Um, got a long way to go in figuring out some of these things. Um, my heart really just is burdened and just it breaks to think about ladies who are marginalized and that they're victimized so cruelly. And there's an isolation, at least of their soul, that takes place. I want you to know, God loves women. Jesus loves women. And I don't know, not, I know this, even among you, God wants to do a work among you ladies and among the girls that are in here. But there's probably a lady or, or two that God's going to bring around you that somebody's been marginalized or victimized and God's going to give you the opportunity to just speak the greatness of Jesus to them. And the acceptance that God brings, not because we're good, because He's good. God loves women. Girls, listen to that. Ladies, listen to that. You are loved because of how perfect Christ is, not how perfect you are. It's vital that you see that. Verse 30. 
And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Um, now again, the, the, the story here is that the crowd pressed in aggressively, like has happened a lot of times in these stories with, with Jesus, to mob instinct. I mean, it's just get close, get close to him. I don't know if you guys have been in a, uh, in a place where um, maybe you're, around, you're in a crowd, uh, maybe you're in a, in a stadium or something, and then all of a sudden you just, you just, you just kind of feel, you feel, you feel energy. I mean, just all of a sudden something's happening. Um, people are talking, and, and then it finally gets over to you. Nick Saban's right over here, or uh, who else? Throw out whoever you want. Um, um, and, and just everybody presses, presses in. And, I mean, you can, have you ever had that happen to where you get caught up in it? And you're just like, yeah, yeah. And, just, I mean, you're, you're going, it's just like, you want to see, and you're, you're, you're looking to see if you can get close. It's like, man, maybe I can shake that dude's hand, you know? And, and you just see, and all of a sudden, just this crush that takes place because of this mob instinct that happened. Well, that's what's happening again to Jesus. People are caught up in it. And in the middle of all of that, power left him. Power left him. Healing left him. He knew it, and he acknowledged it. And there was always a cost. There was always a cost to a person being made whole. And we don't know what it, really what that was for Jesus. It certainly didn't diminish his character, nothing like that. But I mean, but there was always a cost. And I mean, he, he knew this. He knew that the healing had gone out. And, and, uh, um, and so he wanted to bring everybody's attention to this. He said, guys, something has just happened that, that I, I, didn't, I didn't do it. It's just, it's just come to me. Um. And uh, uh, Kenneth Wiest is a guy that I study that just helps me a lot with uh, original language. And he said, The disciples were surprised at the sensitiveness of Jesus to the touch of the crowds. They were unconscious of the tremendous drain of our, on our Lord from all this healing that tugged away at the tender heart and exhausted the nervous injur- energies of the Son of Man, even though he was the Son of God. He was sensitive in the middle of all this, in the middle of a mob. Hey, wait a second. Somebody touched me. They're like, dude, everybody's touching you. Guys, when she touched Jesus, she defiled him. When you had an issue of blood, you were to be isolated and you were not to touch others. Because when you did, you made them unclean okay don't miss this don't miss this this is so powerful because every one of us before christ we're we're unclean and the beauty is that in our lives jesus he's he comes to us and he invites us he invites us to himself and in the touch, there's a transfer that takes place spiritually. That our uncleanness, and it, what's crazy is it, it even surpasses time and space. Because in the touch that comes to us, 
when the touch comes to you as a, a boy or girl, a man, as, as a woman, all of a sudden it's, it's something that's like a wormhole that, that connects you back to the cross that made Him unclean as He was on the cross to where the Father said, I see all of David's sin upon you and I will not pass over it. I will condemn you, my son. That's what the Father did. He condemned His Son. And He said, I, I won't let any of the sin of David through go unpunished. Every single one of them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour all the wrath that needs to be. But I'm putting it on you, son. Because you've been made unclean. Why? So David can be declared clean. So that you, women, you men, boys and girls, can be made clean. Jesus loves you that much. Before you even were born broken, He took every bit of it. Every bit of it. Verse 31, his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Luke tells us there was actually Peter who made the comments and, and, uh, Peter, I, I like Peter a lot. He just open mouth, insert foot a lot. Um, I'm like that. Anybody else with me? Kind of Peteristic. Uh, um, I don't think this was bad. I think it was great, man. He just he he asked a lot of questions and he he talked with Jesus a lot, and so he made made the comments and gave opportunities for for Jesus to speak into it. One of the things that that's if you look a little bit deeper in, in the language here, it, it's not just saying, Jesus wasn't just saying, go go in peace. But because of his touch in her life, he's actually saying, go into peace. Go into peace. See, because Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He's the gate. The gate showed up. That lady, when all of her years of, of bleeding... He came and showed up and He was the gate. And, and it wasn't just a, a physical healing that took place in His life, but He didn't leave her. He didn't, he didn't leave her just physically healed. He spiritually healed her. So now, because of me, through me, you can go into peace. Go, go. Verse 35, while He was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Did you guys forget the story? Did you forget where we were? Remember? In the middle of this interruption that took place? Like, oh, Jairus. Jairus and his daughter. Yes, they were en route to take care of those things. And so in the middle of this, this means Jairus is with him this whole time. And, and uh, Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the, how your heart would be tearing? Like, my daughter's dying. Please, please don't stop. You know, I mean, you just want to be this bulldozer just says, Jesus, follow me down set. Boom. You know, and I mean, you're just clearing the way. Nobody stop him. Let's go. But he gets stopped and just takes this time. It's like, oh, man, look at here. It's like my daughter, daughter, Jesus. Okay, that's that's really awesome. What what you're doing, my daughter. And then in the middle of it, he finishes. It's like, okay, it's time to go. We can go now. And all of a sudden somebody comes and says, 
It's too late. Just let him be with the crowd. Your daughter's dead. She's dead. Hope gets dashed. He loved his daughter. He wanted her to be healed. He just didn't know that she was dead already. There's a couple things I thought about in this that, first of all, is in our lives, but also in those that are around us, we don't, we don't, many times we don't realize the effects of sin, that it doesn't just wound us, it doesn't just daze us, it makes us dead. Born dead. And parents, as much as you try, you do not know what your kids need more than God does. And you got your ideas and agendas and plans and all the things and what the way it's going to happen. And God, if you'll just follow me, I'm going I'm to lead you so that you can do what I got on my list here that's going to be best for my kids. And sometimes God just says, not so fast. Not so fast. So what are we to do? When we, we need to recognize that God loves them more than you. And that God knows what they need more than you do. So therefore, you need to press into Christ as a parent or as a future parent. You need to dive into the Bible Because your perspective will not yield maximum clarity for the condition of your children. Only God's will. So don't trouble him. He's done all he can do. He can heal people, yes. Raise people from the dead, no. I mean, that's, that's what their assumptions were. Hey, it's done. They thought he's got a lot of power and all, but oh, this is it. This is it. He can't go, he can't go any further. Do y'all realize we put limitations on God like that all the time? I mean, there's, there, you got, you've probably got a lot of belief. But do you know that your belief has a ceiling on it right now, where you are today? It's got a ceiling. And there's some things that you would never, you probably never say it like this. You never say, yeah, God couldn't do that. But just in your mind, you're like, God wouldn't do that. Or God doesn't care about that. There's just somehow you'll couch it to where you've placed a box around God. I want you to know it's a good thing. God doesn't like boxes. He's going to kick it down. He is. What are the limitations that you've put on God? What are the things? What are your doubts? What are the things? Ask God to reveal those things to you and smash them. Verse 36. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Ladies. Okay. God loves you. He loves you. Ladies, sometimes you can be known for being anxious, can't you? For worrying. For spinning up. And perhaps your mom modeled this for you. Maybe your grandmother modeled it for you. Probably some moms in here that you need to go to your daughters and say, you know what, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I modeled anxiety and worry. I'm sorry, forgive me. But, there's, there may be something that's in you that thinks that you don't care if you don't worry. Anybody? That if you don't, if you don't fret about it, that you're apathetic about it. Guys, that's a lie. That's a lie. That is not the way that you're to live your life. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God, 
God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. Matthew 6, 26-27. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, listen, can add a single hour to a span of life? But I'm telling you, anxiety and worry will absolutely rob the hours. Not only from you, but the people around you, right? Make yourself miserable. Make others miserable. Ladies, and for any guys that this is true about too, falling apart emotionally is not a badge of courage. It's not. He was saying to him, stop fearing and be believing. That's what he was saying. Stop fearing. When fear, when the temptation to fear is there, when the temptation of worry is there, the temptation of anxiety is there, you just say, Jesus has got this. Jesus has got this. He's, he's king and he's in control, which means I don't have to be. It'll crush anxiety and worry. You may have to say it over and over. You may have to renew your mind like Romans 12, 2 talks about and, and tell your mind, tell your heart those things. But to tell and say, look, He takes care of the birds. Isn't He going to take care of me and take care of us? And hope is lost in your life. Don't fear. Believe. There's death that occurs around you. Don't fear. Believe. Whatever it is that happens, don't fear. but Believe. You know, remember the subtitle of this whole series in Mark is Repent and Believe the Gospel. Keep doing that. Keep repenting. And when you go... When you're getting into anxiety and worry, then just admit it and say, oh, crap, I did it again. But, Lord, I repent of it and I believe and I I know that I'm not even bound to that. Verse 38. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Now, this sounds like it's a really awkward joke you know it's just i mean could i mean can you imagine jairus you know in there just in, looking at him it's, she's dead and you're you're playing with my emotions here what are you what are you doing here i mean it's almost levity that he's bringing here but i i think that there's the point behind this is jesus he's kind of saying look guys y'all the biggest fear in mankind is death that's the worst thing in the world thing people fear more than anything is death. I want you to know, I want you to know that death is temporary. I want you to know that death is in my hand and I'll allow it to pass through, but I can pluck it back at times. Verse 40 says they laughed at him. And he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Guys, uh, this is pretty, pretty neat because what, what happened here, I mean, they're, they're laughing at him. They're mocking him at this point. Basically, like I do, Jesus, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, you, your timing's bad. Jesus, you're, it's too late. It's too late, Jesus. It's never too late. It's never too late. It says he put the mockers out. And the, the, the word that's used here, um, if you want the words, it's ekbalo is what it is. 
but it meant it, it was an aggressiveness and a forcefulness, kind of like when he was when he whipped, we turned the tables over and threw, got the whips and drew, drove people out. That I mean, he it was just like, hey, I'd like you guys to leave now. It was like, all right, you guys, y'all are out. You know, I mean, he's boom, get out of here. And he and as as forcefully. As forcefully as he was getting them out, as aggressively as he was getting them out of the house, in contrast, he tenderly took the dad and the mom and Peter, James, and John and says, come on, let's go in. It's love. I love that, that picture. And he looked at her and took her by the hand, verse 41, and he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Arise. And the... Uh, the way that he did that, it's just even even the in the Aramaic, the way he said it, it was a very, very tender way of calling her out. It was almost like if somebody called a child a lamb. You know, just very tender. And he said, he said, arise. Guys, this is the, the, one of the biggest points in this whole thing is we're all dead spiritually before Christ. And most, most of y'all in here, you're not spiritually dead anymore. Maybe some of you that you are. For y'all in the past, what happened, or for some of y'all in the future, what God's going to do is He just calls the name and it pierces through death. And He just says, Arise. And guess what we do? We arise. We're freed. Life is given to us. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. He strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give him something to, to eat. And uh, God, uh, God loved that little girl. And the picture was just so much more important than just her physical death. Uh, and by the way, that wasn't a resurrection. Uh, Jesus was the first one to be resurrected. You could say it was a resuscitation. Or a reviving that took place. Because she died again. Just like Lazarus. And just like the widow's son in Nain. Um, that, uh, that they would, are, were to die again. But the beauty of the spiritual life that comes from Christ. Is when he says. He says arise. When he speaks our name. The good shepherd. We come. He gives life to us. And nobody can ever take that away. Nobody ever will. Nobody ever can. Why is it that he said. Don't tell that he told him, don't tell anybody about this. Again, going back to the very beginning, it was a Jewish community. Jesus was very strategic in all the miracles he did around the Jews because the more he did, the more it piled on controversy and problems and the closer it got him to the cross. He strategically knew there was a lot to do before he went to the cross and he, didn't, he was going to make sure he had a plan. He planned it out and did his part in saying, and, and making sure that things would be quelled as much as possible so that he could do what he was called to do. It was just very practical and very strategic in what he was doing. Um, lastly, he said he told them to give her something to eat. And I just love that Jesus is a God that not only cares about our, our spiritual, spirituality, but he cares about you very real. He cares about your justification. He also cares about your sanctification. That is, he, he cares about you becoming a Christian. He cares also about you growing and being fed, being fed well. All right, so let me, let me throw out just some concluding thoughts to kind of wrap everything up as we process these two big stories. 
first remember the testimony of Heidi earlier, Philippians 1.20, said, as it, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with all courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. You need to know you're going to have pers- you're going to have all kinds of persecution. You're going to have all kinds of suffering in this life, and to say, God, my hope is that I'll be faithful to you and walk with you, whether you give me life or whether you give me death. Secondly, parents, love your kids. Be willing to do whatever it takes, even if you got to humiliate or humble yourself. You can do whatever it takes for them, especially for their hearts. For some of y'all, your dad or your mom did not model this. They didn't model whatever it takes approach. I'm sorry. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Because he'll never let you down. Jesus loves pain-ridden women. He loves forgotten women. He loves marginalized women. He loves abused women. He loves women that have been thrown away. He's their savior. He's their hero, their redeemer. And for some of these ladies, Jesus, his hands and feet are going to work through you and through me to be the protectors and the restorers of these ladies and these girls. Wake up up and be ready for that. 